Hello and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And you're listening to The Soul of Business because I'm assuming you are interested in just what the soul of business might mean to you as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And you just kind of, what, what's the value in staying connected to the soul of your business? And I talk about the soul in this way. Uh, it's not a religious sense uh, in which I reference here. It has to do with that uh, spark that you know, gives life to anything, whether it's a rock or a tree, uh, a human being or a business. Yeah, it's all you know, kind of sourced out of that same first cause, that, that, that what I call the soul of the business. And yeah, it looks for expression. The, the soul of anything looks to be expressed. And uh, yeah, businesses are no different than any other uh, thing that we encounter in the universe. There's an expressive nature to it. And staying connected to it is where aliveness, in my experience, actually is uh, generated. So um, that's just a very brief synopsis. My guest today um, is a, uh, got a fascinating story from my perspective. And uh, I was really excited when he agreed to come on the show. Michael Hess uh, brings a unique perspective to, you know, to international business uh, leadership, you know, specifically because he's lived in business for uh, three decades you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business uh, uh, executive, and he's got a long-term meditation and spiritual practice that he has kind of brought into the conversation. And that stillness, uh, is as far as I can tell in my meditation practice, that stillness that's brought about by a, a strong meditative practice is a gateway into some things that uh, can be very interesting, very uh, uh, intriguing, and I think very creative. So uh, we'll get a little bit more into Michael's background as we start talking here. But Michael, I just want to welcome you. Thanks for agreeing to be on the show and, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Blaine. I'm really happy to be here. And I hope I didn't misspeak about any uh, anything in that very brief introduction. And again, we'll get into something uh, a little bit meatier in terms of your your uh, CV, if you will, uh, as we do this. But uh, yeah, anything that needs that's a good That's a good introduction. I've got a strong background in business. Um, I was an M&A guy for many years, bought and sold and owned and operated a lot of businesses. And now I've moved on, still in business, but to a little more simple, more spiritual phase of my life. And for me, it's now about integrating the two. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I was intrigued with was exactly that integration. And um, yeah, I'm working on a project right now that uh, in, in just kind of lay terms approaches business as, as a spiritual discipline. Um, and I think that you know, when I you know, kind of married that to the context of the soul of business and keeping connected to it as a spiritual discipline, uh, you know, doing what I do as a business leader, making decisions, uh, taking action in recognition that everything is connected in some way, shape or form, and that my actions will have implications. And as a spiritual discipline, I'm continuously called to be uh, aware of the consequences of my actions. Uh, so 
your journey, I think, uh, and again, I'm just kind of you know, making some stuff out of whole cloth reading here, but uh, your journey, I, as I understand it, has been a, a migration into a realization of that uh, spiritual discipline nature of business. Would that be accurate? That's, uh, that's absolutely accurate. You know, when I think about soul of business, I really think about this integration of business and spirituality. And so this is taking business to, you might say, a different level, a higher plane. You know, in many ways, I think for many people, and definitely for me earlier in my career, business was really about competition and competitive advantage. But if our business or our life is focused on competitive advantage, then we're really focused on basic needs, basic survival. And so our obligation maybe is to attend to our basic needs, but the opportunity is to reach for something higher, to open our heart, to elevate our consciousness, to expand our awareness. And so these opportunities are all around us in our regular life and in business too. And so what we really need to do is we need to expand our perception, I think, to take advantage of them. And for me, spirituality is really about expanding perception and, and meditation is really the tool to do that. And I think this applies equally in our regular individual lives and in the businesses that we lead as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, a lot of, I, I was doing a, a, an interview the other day with uh, a very successful entrepreneur and they started their business. He, he and his wife uh, jointly started the business uh, in response to a need for making money. Uh, they were in debt. Uh, uh, this you know, goes back you know, the, uh, the collapse of the economy back in uh, 09, you know, right around that time frame. And they needed to get out of debt. And so they started a business. And you know, it was interesting. I was in a conversation with a friend of mine, Michael Beckwith, Reverend Michael Beckwith out of the Agape uh, Church you know, down in LA. And he's got a very interesting phraseology around how things kind of get you know, started. Um, and pain pushes and vision will pull. And that was an interesting kind of take on you know, this uh, conversation I was having the other day. Uh, because they've moved to the point in their organization now where it's really being pulled by this spiritual need to express what it is in a more generative way. Um, they've made the money that they needed to make and they're, they're comfortable in that regard. Um, you've made a lot of money. You've you know, bought and sold companies. Uh, you've uh, publicly, uh, you know, you, you basically had two publicly traded exit transactions yeah, in your career. And that's a pretty big deal. Um, the notion of, you know, and, and I'm speaking to this in the sense that, you know, there's a hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy here. There are needs that we need to fulfill and whatnot. And it's easy to, you know, that's a slippery slope. It's, it's easy to sell my soul, so to speak, you know, sell my, the soul of my business in pursuit of that next deal, because, you know, that next deal is going to make or break us, you know, in, in our mind. Uh, and the same thing would be true for myself as an individual. How does that get reconciled through a meditative practice? And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to put you on the spot here just a little bit because I, you know, I've got an experience with some of that in my own world. But I'd be interested from your perspective. Um, in the, you know, you've got an you know, organization that you call the Discovering Mind. 
And it's that discovery principle that I'm interested in. Yeah, how do I, how do I not sell my soul? Is the net of the question that I'm fumbling around here with. Well, it's kind of interesting because I can remember saying earlier in my career, earlier in my life, talking about things that I would be willing to do to not necessarily sell my soul for the furtherance of business or the next deal, but essentially that was that was kind of what it was all about. So I was, uh, you know, I was in the transaction business. Mm-hmm. Um, the transaction business, I think, is about as far removed from spirituality and, and connection and integrity as you can find. So we bought companies and we raised money and we did deals and it was a lot of fun and it was challenging and stimulating uh, you know, for a certain part of the brain. But that's really not what's most important. There's many things we get to choose as leaders what's important in a business. We get to define our business, just like we get to define ourselves. But I think earlier in my career, the way I defined myself was by the whatever the last deal that I did and, and whatever the next deal that was on the horizon. But now I think we have you know, greater opportunities when we when we start to engage in spiritual practice, when we gain just even a little bit of realization, we learn that there's greater benefits, there's higher purposes. Particularly, for example, from the Buddhist perspective, we're very focused on, uh, on service to others. And so there's a, a very important concept of servant leadership. And so to me now is a leader in business and someone who's trying to um, strategize and plan how to grow, you know, Discovering Mind, which is a fairly new and small company. Um, it's really important, it's critical to incorporate these principles of servant leadership, of compassion, of bringing in all the qualities of conscious leaders, you know, self-awareness, higher consciousness, clarity of vision. Um, these are, I think, the the values that are important to me now. And these are the things I'd like to see in the companies that I lead in the future. And it's really the opposite of this transactional approach. If you have a transactional approach, then you have transactional relationships with all of the constituents of the business, with your shareholders, with your investors, with your management, with your employees, with your vendors, with your customers, everything is a transaction. but the opportunity, I think, is to turn everything into a relationship. And I really think that's a win-win for everybody. You know, I, the book um, that um, you know, I've written five of them, and the one that I'm most proud of actually right now is, um, you know, it ended up being a bestseller, Compassionate Capitalism, um, A Journey to the Soul of Business. And the, the Operating thesis in that book is that everything is connected, and as a consequence of that, everything has a relational dynamic to it. It's all relationship. That's all anything is. It's, it's you know that's all an organization is a collection of people in relationship, and not just with each other, but in relationship with vision, values, in relationship with goals and objectives. Um, I mean, anything and everything. You know, my chair. I've got a relationship with my chair. Um, so I'm struck here by the, uh, the, the the notation that you or the distinction between a transactional uh, interaction and a relational interaction. And I'd like to unbundle that just a little bit. Um, 
Can you talk about, you know, for you, what, what is the distinction that uh, separates a transactional relation? Because there is a relationship involved there. Uh, but what am I looking for between a transactional interaction and a relational interaction? I think at the simplest level, a transaction has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm -hmm. A transaction, such as if you buy a company, it can turn into a relationship. But if the if the if the paradigm of the relationship at the beginning is a transaction, I think that there's a there's a possibility that it might always continue as a transaction. And a lot of uh, I think a lot of business leaders, and I think certainly. When I was younger, when I was doing a lot of business activity, I had very transactional relationships, you know, with people, including the, the teams of the, of the companies that I bought. Uh, you know, for me, the you know they say the art of the deal was the deal itself, and not so much. I wasn't probably uh, so successful at at leading and building and managing great companies as I was at finding them and buying them. Um, but a relationship is something that's built on that connection. It's built on uh, an interdependence. And I think, you know, our opportunity uh, is, to, is, to, is to create and to deepen that relationship. Because at, at the root, you know, a business is really its people. We may think of business as many different things. We can think of it at the transactional level. Um, but, you know, the, the core of the business, the heart of the business is its people. Um, and I think that it's the relationships that, that, that bring people into business environments. It's absolutely the relationships that keeps them there when the going gets tough. So things aren't always, you know, so rosy. I mean, the best, the best day in many a M&A transaction was the day the deal closes, <laughs> and then it's all downhill from there. Yeah. So, you know, I think with a uh, uh, with a relationship-oriented approach, you know, I'll give you just one example, something that I think about these days. <clears throat> when I was building and running, you know, most of my businesses uh, early on, the vast majority of my time was spent interacting with people who were outside the company. You know, there was a certain amount of interaction with people inside the company, but you know, uh, dealing with things that are transactional, you know, there's attorneys and there's accountants and there's people doing valuations and studies and investment bankers and brokers and all these people. And that was how I spent most of my time. And I was actually not really that involved in running the companies themselves. And so my vision for how to be a servant leader now is to spend, not that I wouldn't be in, you know, uh, heavily involved in, in outer facing relationships, but really to spend all my time or almost all my time with the, the people who are inside the business, to be a listener, to be a really active, engaged listener, to have my door open constantly and to be really spend all my time listening to, first of all, attracting the best people I can find, and then just listening to them, listening to their ideas. How can we do things better? How can we solve our problems? How can we take the business to the next level? Um, and I think that's an entirely different approach, and I think it's 100% arises out of my 
out of my uh, spirituality, out of my meditation practice, because those things are really transformative um, at a very deep level. And I think that's reflected in our business, uh, our approach to business, and definitely in our you know, vision and values. And yeah, I love that. We're going to come, we're going to take a real brief break right now. And when we come back, I want to talk about this notion of listening. Um, and because uh, there's, there's I, I mean, it's a simple word, um, but it's a practice that I don't think is engaged in in any way, shape, or form uh, in a way that actually does it justice. So we'll take a brief break and we'll be back with my guest, Michael Hess, in just a moment. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, my guest today is Michael Hess, uh, who's the founder of uh, an organization called Discovering Mind. And just prior to the break, uh, we were talking a little bit, uh, and he mentioned, and you know, I say he, third person here, you know, so Michael, you, uh, you know, we're talking about listening. And I want to uh, go into a little deeper dive on that because uh, for me, and I'll put this you know, in just in my own frame of reference here, the, 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 the voice of the soul, the voice of the spirit is drowned out with the cacophony of, of other things that are going on in my world, typically. I've got so much chatter, yeah, not just externally, but in my mind. I mean, 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day put through, you know, on average, you know, the average person's mind. And a meditative practice uh, allows me to listen, or at least gives me tools to begin to learn how to listen to that in, internal voice. Um, I'd, I'd be very interested here in you describing for our listeners a little bit of your journey into uh, that practice itself. I, I know that you know, in 04, you were uh, one of the very few Westerners that were granted permission to live in Lhasa, Tibet, uh, which is you know, the home of you know, Tibetan Buddhism. And, and that's a fascinating story in and of itself. And I'd like to you know, invite you to you know, touch on that just a little bit, because following that, you all actually also took a, uh, a year-long meditation uh, retreat in uh, northern India that gestated into um, the Discovering Mind uh, organization that you have now. So with that, just as kind of a scenario, um, how does stillness come into play and where does listening 
develop in the meditation practice for a business leader? Well, <clears throat> meditation practice is such an amazingly valuable thing. It's a life-changing thing. And it uh, not only changed my life, transformed my life, probably saved my life. Um, that's a whole story in and of itself. But I also suffered from just the cacophony of thoughts, of the inability to control my own mind. And in reality, there's very little that we can control in life. We like to have this illusion of control, but really most of us are at best influencers. But the only thing, in fact, that we can truly control, we can't even control our bodies often. So the only thing we can truly control is our mind. And the one thing that we have typically absolutely zero practice, training, study in is how to control the mind. And so meditation is a process. There's many different kinds of meditation, many different styles. But at the end, it's really all about getting our mind to do what we want it to do. And the thing that, and the way we learn to do that is we learn to bring our mind into stillness. And when the mind stills, our thoughts, um, they become, <laughs> uh, they're reduced in frequency, they're reduced in number, they're reduced in intensity. And so they no longer become these obtrusive things that are bouncing around inside our head out of control. And so we can actually, we can concentrate, we can focus on one thing. And when we're talking about listening, uh, you know, active listening, engaged listening, this is so important. So to be able to sit, it's not that we always do this all the time. You know, most of us are quite adept at multitasking and having our devices and whatnot. Uh, and the thing that we were doing before and the thing that's coming up next and one eye on the you know, clock. But um, when, we're, when we're able to and when we choose to, we can narrow our focus in a very relaxed way, not in some sort of like eyebrow, you know, furrowing intense way. We can just rest our mind on one thing and not allow it to stay there. And this is one of the, the, the byproducts. This is one of the types of, or techniques that we train in to learn to meditate. And then it's a, just a wonderful byproduct. And so we can sit and have a conversation with someone in any forum, even on Zoom, and we can be absolutely completely focused on that person and on the conversation and have an open heart and be open to the energy of the situation. And it can change the dynamic of a conversation. It can change the dynamic of a relationship just incredibly in just vast and immeasurable ways. And you could think of this as, as a skill set, but it's a very difficult skill set to acquire unless we've really done some work to actually train our mind in being able to do this. And a byproduct of training the mind to come to stillness is opening the heart and learning to manage our energy. And there's many different techniques in meditation for all of these, but these are just directly applicable to all of our relationships, to our business relationships, to our family relationships, to you know our kids, our spouses, our neighbors, to everything. And it truly is a, it's an opportunity to transform ourselves and an opportunity to transform the organizations that we lead 
And I just, uh, I'm extremely grateful for the difficulties in my own life that led me to this path. It's been a long road, mm -hmm. but I really think that it's reflected in everything I do now, all my relationships, and in particular, the way I can conduct my self and business uh, environments. And even for, you know, the vision of what my business will look like going forward, completely relationship driven and not at all transactionally based, even when we're doing transactions, mm -hmm. um, it's relationships that matters. Yeah. You know, it strikes me as you speak that listening becomes the catalyst for connection. Um, yeah. It, it, there's a vulnerability that's necessary, uh, and and I speak my uh, this kind of my as I observe myself doing this, uh, wanting to come in and, and say, yeah, and uh, you know, <laughs> there's this this piece that you know rather than just settling and listening without feeling a need to rejoin, uh, you know, or, or bring a rejoinder back or or a counterpoint back or whatever it might be. There's something that is you know, just in the context of equanimity, if I can just settle in and listen, um, there is a calmness to that, that allows for an unfolding of the next step. Um, and and it, doesn't, it, it doesn't feel pushed, it doesn't feel, uh, uh, it doesn't feel required, it just feels natural. Um, so, I mean, that's just an observation as I'm speaking with you, just in terms of what I'm experiencing. Um, I agree completely. And it's not, not only does it feel natural, it is natural. Because we're, to use a little meditation language, we're resting in our natural state. And that natural state is a place of, of openness, of awareness, and also of stillness. And... You know, we can, we can be with someone, we can be engaged in conversation, we can be conducting business, but still resting in this state. And there's, you know, it's really a wonderful experience. And not only is it something that we can experience ourselves, but the people we're engaging with can, uh, you know, they can connect with it, they can pick it up, they can feel it energetically. Yeah. And there's a, there's a harmonizing of this energy of our inner environment, of our outer environment, of the people we're with. You know, we can diffuse tense situations in, in boardrooms. And, you know, we have wonderful tools to work with in, uh, in conducting business and in particular in the uh, relationship with people. And if we want to think of that as like managing people, it's a tool for that. But I would rather think of it as, is working with people, is supporting people. And I think that's what servant leadership is all about. It's about leading by supporting uh, the people in the organization because they're really the ones who get all the work done. We like to think that we get the work done, but it's, uh, it's really our teams yeah. that are responsible for our success. Yeah, the, uh, the, the idea of... Um stillness uh, of listening um, rather than pushing the river, just letting the river flow. Uh, there's a vulnerability uh, that is impressed on me about that, uh, that process. And, and listening becomes, well, I'm going to just put it in the context of meditation here. Rather than uh, a, uh, 
esoteric practice that only some people should probably pay attention to. It becomes, you know, in my experience, but also in listening to what you're saying here, one of the most powerful tools that a leader could actually develop in him or herself if they want to be particularly effective in their organization. Uh, they bring an energetic body as a consequence to, uh, of their meditation practice that can be significantly, um, uh, what's the word I'd use here? Uh, it, it, it impacts productivity in a very specific way. Um, and there's, a, there's an invitation to participate as opposed to an admonition to participate just through the energetic dynamic that comes from a leader that is actually walking from that perspective. Is, is that an accurate assessment? Uh, it's completely accurate. In fact, I would go so far as to say that a leader who does not have those skills is at a competitive disadvantage to one who does. So you know, these are the skills and the tools of, I think, modern leadership. Certainly, as uh, is a, is a planet and as a society, um, our consciousness is being raised. Yeah. And I think this is, even though sometimes we, we look at the news and we see what's happening in the world and maybe we think it's the opposite, but actually all these things are in fact a consequence of, of elevated consciousness and raising vibration, whatever, whatever language we want to use about it. And so that means the, the consciousness of our, of our businesses are going to be raised, of all of our institutions, of our governments. And so leaders who don't have these skills will be at a disadvantage to those who do, and ultimately will be replaced by leaders who do. So I think it's just critically important. And even aside from that, aside from the practicality, there's just so many documented benefits to meditation. If, and I like to think of it as a continuum. On one side of the continuum, we have the secular benefits. On the other side, we have the spiritual benefits. But even if you think that the spiritual benefits are you know, a bunch of hogwash, then we have physical health, we have mental health, we have emotional health, we have interpersonal relationships, very real, tangible, practical, studied, and measurable things that are benefits that flow out of uh, out of a meditation practice. And then there's the opportunity to move beyond that into the, the spiritual side of the continuum. Um, and, and all of which we have the opportunity to bring to our business. So a leader who doesn't incorporate some amount of uh, you know, personal growth, self-awareness, training their mind, learning to to manage and control their <laughs> energy. This mm -hmm. is reflected in their physical health, in their emotional state, in their interpersonal relationships. And without that, it's, it's really, I think, quite difficult to, to be a successful leader. Yeah, absolutely. I, I concur completely. Um, in the time that we have left here, I, I, I do want to make some space here for you to talk about discovering mind. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, it's a relatively new organization that you founded. What, you know, what's your aspiration for uh, the business and for the work that you're doing with it? My aspiration for the business is to make a true impact on the world. And my 
gift, if I have one, is this intersection of business and spirituality and, and specifically meditation. And so I would like to, and I will, impact a lot of people around the world. And to bring that into business, I'm really doing two things. I'm working with leaders in business, in education, in government, to help them um, develop their own meditation practice and to bring meditation practices into their organizations. And then very much related to that, but a bit separate, I work with train the trainer programs. So I have programs to teach people to be meditation teachers. And all these programs are long-term, in-depth, sort of deep dive approaches. We can sit down and we can learn a few uh, meditation techniques even in an hour. And those are things that we can practice for a life. But to, to truly transform our practice and to transform ourselves, we really need a close, ongoing mentoring type relationship. And so this is what the Discovering Mind is all about. We're bringing that to, to leaders around the world, we're bringing it to organizations, and we're bringing it to individuals, particularly teachers and wellness disciplines who are committed to incorporating this into their, um, into their professional practice and into their personal life. Wonderful. How can people find out more about that? Uh... Yeah, and the discovering mind, but also more about you in particular. Well, they can take a look at our website, discoveringmind.com. There's a list of our programs there. There's an invitation for people to contact us. You know, we're delighted. I'm delighted to speak with anyone at any time about uh, what their personal goals are, what they're trying to accomplish, and see if there's a way that one of our programs may be a benefit or if there's anything else that we can do to help. This is really our commitment. Um, and it's, it's truly our passion and our lifetime aspiration. Beautiful. Guest today has been Michael Hess. And uh, Michael, I wanna thank you very much. You've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. And you can find out more about what I'm up to at blainebartlett.com. And I wanna thank you for listening. And until next time, have a safe and healthy uh, rest of your week. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.